Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Good morning and welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for all that you've done in us and through us. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you especially, Lord, for even before the foundations of the world, Lord, you chose to save us. We we ask you, Lord, to lead and guide us this day, especially right now during the show. And Father, bring in the listeners that need to hear what you would have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to pick it up from last week and take it right to John 2, 1 through 11. And this is where everyone knows the story, or most of us, where Jesus turns water into wine. I'm going to begin at the first verse here um, in chapter 2, and it says here, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, verse 2, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So right there we know several things. There's a wedding going on, and Mary's there. This is the mother of Jesus. And Jesus and his disciples were invited. We feel like the way that it's written that they were invited, that Jesus might have come not right at the beginning. His mother was there. Plans were laid. He comes with his disciples a little bit later. And also, I want to explain that a lot of weddings at the time was a huge celebration. Jewish people in those days, their wedding could last seven days, and and this one probably did. So there was a lot of celebrating going on. Um, we, We actually don't know too much about the wedding and how they performed the weddings then. There's... There's a lot of speculation, but we do know that this was the time of the reception. So the first um, thing that I want to say about it is there was a big feast. It was a feast that would last seven days. The other thing is if you failed to provide enough food or drink from the beginning of the reception to the end. It was kind of a big faux pas. It was a big offense. There, it was shameful. Um, so your food had to last, your drink had to last. Um, the other thing is that this wedding took place in Cana. Where is Cana? Well, it's 
a little country town west of the Sea of Galilee and up, you know, on the hill. The Sea of Galilee at the time was called, it was another name for it was Lake um, uh, Tiberius. And it is the lowest freshwater lake in the world and the second lowest lake on Earth. So we know that now. I don't think they knew it then, although Jesus did. But that's a little bit about the placement of where Cana is. And, you know, Samaria would be below that, um, south of that, and um, so would um, uh, Judea would be south of that. So there's this little country town. They're having this big wedding. I'm going to start in verse 4 again where it says, Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. I think for some of us, we think that this is a sign of disrespect or that maybe even Jesus is a little bit upset at his mom for getting him involved in this no more wine business. But I actually think it's a sign of endearment. And the reason I say this is I want to go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. And it reads this. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord made a woman from a rib he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Now, the the word for woman in Hebrew, I believe, is isha, woman. And the word for man is ish. And the way I understand it is, here was Adam. And if you read before all of this in chapter 2, you'll see that Adam was naming all the animals and busy, you know, looking at each animal and calling them by name, giving them each a name. But he saw no one that looked like him. And he, he saw no one that was made in God's image, just himself. And now he sees woman for the very first time. He's called man, Ish, and he says here, which I think is so endearing, he says that she shall be called woman. Now here he is naming all those animals, and now for the very first time he says, she looks like me. She looks different, but she's mine. And she was made in God's image, just like I was. I'm going to call her woman. And I think Jesus, when he said, dear woman, why do you involve me? I think it's more of a sign of respect. Anyhow, that's what I'm going to think anyway. Um, I do want to tell you um, a couple of things about this Jewish wedding. The bridegroom in those days were really in charge of the wedding. Today here in the U.S., it's always the bride that takes care of everything in the bride's family. But the bridegroom's family 
and the bridegroom was in charge of everything, including the reception, the food, and the wine. And in those days, they drank either water or wine at these affairs. So it would imply something to me that Mary is getting involved. It would imply to me that Mary was more than just a guest at this wedding. She sounds like more of the planner. She was definitely related to the bridegroom, where she now is implying that, hey, there's no wine here. So there's also an implication that it could be possibly her son, one of her sons. She had Jesus, of course, the oldest, but she had several sons. It could be one of her kids. And the other thing I wanted to say about that is that Joseph is not taking, is saying anything. And that also means that he's already gone. As a matter of fact, he'd been probably gone for a couple of years. So um, Jesus is there. I mean, Mary is there. Jesus and his brothers are there. And Jesus comes with six of his disciples. Let's pick it up in verse 5. His mother says to the servants, do what he tells you to do, meaning do what Jesus tells you to do. Who gives her that authority? Yeah, she's probably involved as a wedding planner because this is more than likely one of her children. And so she doesn't take offense at what Jesus says, why do you involve me? It means that it wasn't his time right then, but he must have gotten the word from the Lord because, and she's letting it go. She's not pushing him anymore. All she says to the servants is, listen, you just follow whatever Jesus says, you do. And they do, by the way. Verse 6, nearby stood six stone jar waters, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding about 20 to 30 gallons. Okay, I'm going to interject real quickly here. These weddings lasted a lot of days. There was music, eating, drinking, partying, people dressed in formal wear or their fine clothing, especially the bride and groom and, and, and especially the groom side of the family. So this was a real social event. It would be hugely embarrassing to Mary if this were her son and the whole family that they ran out of wine. It would be almost tragic. Well, there's six large stone jar holding 20 to 30 gallons of water each. Remember, Jesus followed his dad, his earthly dad, as a carpenter. And his mom is saying, he, I mean, he's saying to his mom, listen, mom, my time has not yet come. But Jesus, at this instance, was about ready to step out of his father's shoes, his earthly father's shoes, as a carpenter. And now 
into his heavenly father's shoes as God. And he was going to show himself as God, not to all the guests that were there, but to the servants. And he, 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 what a beautiful picture of Jesus taking that step of Godhood and beginning his father's work here on earth. He was 100% God and 100% man. And now we see him as both right here, walking through that. And quickly, let me just say, the ceremonial jars of water was there to wash their hands. So they scooped water out of this big pot and, you know, washed their hands with it, possibly washing their feet by sticking a pot in it and dousing their feet as they walked into this home. This wasn't clean water we're talking about. This is ceremonial water. And so they're at this lengthy feast, and let's start in verse 7. Jesus says to his servants, to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. So there was like a head waiter, let's say, that they want, he's addressing the servants to take a, a bunch of water, what they thought was water, to the waiter, the head waiter. So they did, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, then he, this is the master of the banquet saying this, then he called the bridegroom aside. Of course, the bridegroom knew there was no wine, that everybody was drinking their last cup of wine or glass of wine. And he said, listen. Okay, I'm reading verse 10. doesn't say listen. He says, and he says, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, then the cheaper wines after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. Now, I just love the fact that these servants obediently followed Jesus. Whatever he said to do, they did, just like the mother had asked. I also like the way that God gets us involved. If you look at every single miracle in this whole Bible, Man had something to do with it. God involves us in it. He could have filled the bottle, the, the, those clay pots full of water himself. He could have spoken into existence, but he doesn't. He says to these guys, these servants, get some water, fill it up, and they fill it to the brim, brim like almost to overflowing. Why do you think that is? Well, my thought is, well, so they won't say, well, you know, what they did. They, they took some of those wine skins and washed them clean and, and, and put some water in there. And this so-called wine is, is just water mixed with wine. So he, I'm sure that's why Jesus said, fill it to the very top so nobody else can say anything about this. The other thing is, See how he gets the servants to put that water in there? He says, you help me out with this. 
I want you involved. I want you to see how this is going to work. And also, he doesn't show off in front of all these guests. I mean, he could have just said, dragged all these pots of water in front of all these guests and said, hey, listen here, I'm the miracle working God here. I'm going to show you what I can do. He doesn't do that. He does it behind the scenes. And these guys grab some of that water with these pots, these little ladles, and run it over to the head waiter and say, taste this. And what is it? It's the finest wine. You know, it's not grape juice. I know I've heard people say that maybe it was just grape juice that he made. No, it was wine. It was the finest wine. When you take grape juice, I mean, if it were grape juice, you could just step on it with your feet and it would be turned into grape juice. But no, the finest wine takes years to make. You have to sit, you know, first the first the grapes have to grow. And then they lay fermented. They squish them up. Well, I don't know how to do it, but they squish them up. They lay fermented for years. And this being the finest, it probably took 10, 15 years. This is a miracle that God created. And did he lay hands on the pot and say, you know, okay, guys, gather around here um, like some of some of us would when we're deep in trouble and he did not do anything. He just said, fill it up. And that was that. When they scooped that water out without Jesus saying a word, he didn't say, hey, listen, who goofed up here? I'm gonna, I want the guy that forgot to order the wine, who, you know, enough wine, bring him over here. I want to take him to task. No, he just made this wine and it was the best. And I, I also find it really sweet how that top waiter goes to the groom because the groom knew that they were on their last drink of wine. He's the one that told the mother or, you know, Mary. That's how Mary found out. But no, they saved the best for last. Jesus makes the very best. And I also want to say, you know, if you if you times... Six huge clay pots of water that's turned into wine that are 20 to 30 gallons of water. We're talking about like 180 gallons of wine. That's a lot of wine. God gives us pressed down, shaken together, and runneth over. You know, say there were 100 people at this, at this party which are probably more than that. I mean, less than that. I don't know, maybe more. That was more than enough. They had wine for days later. After the wedding was over, they had to probably pour the extra wine into these wine, fresh wineskins to pack it up for later. You know, when Jesus fed the 5,000 out of the two loaves and five fish, there was 12 baskets of food left over after, you know, they said 5,000, but there were probably 15,000 people there, with including the, you know, men, women, and children. There were 12 baskets of food left over. God gives us way more than enough for, you know, blessing us. 
And, and this is what he did for this groomsman. I don't know if it was a cousin or a son or it was a close relative. Okay? But here it was, God's first miracle. I, I say to you again, who is God to you? Who is Jesus to you? This, this man who can turn water into wine. This man who feeds the five to 15,000 people, two loaves and five fish. Is he the Messiah? Is he God? Is he the three-in-one, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Who is he to you? I do say that I love the scripture that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Look to him. Who? Jesus. He will direct your path. Now, if you're out there and have never made a commitment to Jesus, and you want to get this to know this man, the Godhood, the three-in-one, part of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I would implore you to follow me in this very simple prayer. There's no magic in it. As a matter of fact, it doesn't even have, there's not one sinner's prayer in the Bible. We do it just to help you, to lead you, and help you with words to put them together, to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. So say this simple prayer with me. And it goes like this, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that even before the foundations of the world, you knew that I would be asking you to be my Lord and Savior. So today I ask, Lord, that you would forgive me of all my sins, of the past, present, and future. And today I ask you to help me to follow you. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. If you have said that simple prayer and would like to let us know, just give us a call, and we'll help you in your walk with Jesus. Thank you for joining us, listeners. We'll be seeing you, or we'll be talking to you next week. Thank you. We love you. God bless you. Bye for now. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rhody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rhody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Spelled R-A-H Fisher at on the R-H-O-D-E with Jesus.com or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. 
Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher.